violating up the South with their traditional values and do, reaction. Do you have any hope or expectation that the themes, those sorts of themes that you're addressing in the music are going to reach or can reach um, an audience broader than people who are already sort of like, yeah, that's right. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think, in fact, and that's, that's something that, um, that's exciting to me. And, we, you know, maybe this brings it full circle when, when uh, you started the conversation talking about our legacy. I believe that, uh, that uh, the arts are the most effective way of, uh, of changing social norms. You know, I think that you can reach people and influence people through comedy and theater and music and satire and fiction and um, poetry and painting uh, much more profoundly and much more lastingly than you can by uh, you know writing a, a, a book uh, which is a, a polemic and, uh, and and you know kind of holding forth about your and lecturing you know? no offense to the PhDs around well but but he does both you know right yeah um, I, but, I, but what, I, I, the side of it I'm talking about is you know I feel that bad religion you know, 33 years later, 33 years of crossbusters and T-shirts that say bad religion um, have had some kind of an effect. As a matter of fact. Um, oh, just recently, yeah, yeah, the Supreme Court. Just recently, the Supreme Court ruled that a kid can't get kicked out of school for wearing a bad religion T-shirt. So there you go. No, they actually they used the, uh, a case of a kid in Colorado who somehow there was a charitable group that got it heard by the Supreme Court. Uh, and they they said you can't keep this kid out of school for. And you know you guys aren't exactly up on stage in sort of white face paint ripping up the Bible and. No, but I will not say. Not at all, exactly. But, but you don't need. In to keeping be. with what Brett said, um, I I do f consider myself uh, someone, as Brett does, who cares passionately about this and how to best, uh, most effectively, uh, reach as large of an audience as we can. When we were young, we th we never we weren't that shy we wanted to be uh famous you know but there, we chose kind of the wrong uh field to do it and punk rock was you know our biggest show for the first 10 years of our lives was maybe 500 people but or the first 10 years of the band but the point is we had a conscious uh, we made a conscious decision that infusing our songs with these kinds of to some people erudite but you know i'd say higher consciousness kind of nerdy uh type topics um was a way of of um stimulating conversation outside of the music venue and i, I mean as i went on in my academic career uh i did that in uh, science and in lecturing and places like that and it gives me just as big a thrill to hear about these kids who come up to us all the time and say, you know, I'm studying biology now because of a song that you wrote, or, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a philosopher because of a song that you wrote.
we're back. This podcast is scheduled for one fall. With a 60-minute time limit coming out of the black corner and a combined weight of 666 pounds, recording to you from the buffet line at the Golden Corral, I'm your boy Xander Hobbs. This is Bobby B, the five-star podcasting machine. I love that. And once again, we're bringing you another edition of the Wrestleocalypse. It is upon I said, God damn, it is upon us indeed. But before we get started, just a little bit of house cleaning. Once again, if you guys didn't make it last time, we want you all to check out Millennium Pro Wrestling. That is a buddy of mine's promotion, Kyle, a.k.a. Good Looks Donnie. 7.30 p.m. bell time every Friday. They got a doozy for you guys. If you're in the Chatsworth, California area or anywhere near that, go check them out and support them. And we also want to give a shout out to our buddy Tony Bloodbath, one of the four horsemen of the Wrestleocalypse. He is on the Capologist. Make sure you go check out his Instagram and they got a lot of cool hats on there. Check them out. Support, support hats, support art, support everyone, and most of all, support us. Well spoken. Well spoken. Um, so let's jump right into this. First half, we're talking about professional wrestling. And uh, we actually had uh, the rare opportunity to get together and we watched the Royal Rumble in person, uh, able to compare notes as we worked through the show. And uh, I thought, we thought, I guess, uh, I don't want to speak for you, but I thought it was pretty entertaining, all things considered. Yes, and that's where I'm coming from. It was entertaining. And a lot of people were all mush-mouthed about it and whining on the internets and stuff like that. And it's like, the reason I found it entertaining because I don't expect much from the WWE lately. And in some matches, they did deliver. So... I, I don't know why everybody's expecting this like awesome booking all of a sudden. It's just, yeah, there were some things that were questionable, but for overall, it had my attention. And, you know, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, and I definitely agree with you that it was definitely WWE booking 101. <clears throat> you should have smelled it when they said that the Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns match was opening the show. Right. Because the only thing, the reason they would do that is because they needed to have time for someone to be able to come and enter into the Royal Rumble. So, um, but I, I thought, you know, we'll jump right into that one. I thought that the Roman Reigns, uh, Seth Rollins match was really good. I loved him coming through the crowd in his shield gear, but like still Seth, the maniacal one Rollins with his laughing at him and that whole thing. I thought there was a lot of storytelling in that match. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I like that. I liked how Roman went full heel, choking him out, holding it too long, beating him down with the chair afterwards. You know, I feel like, and rightly so, uh, people have been really enjoying this Roman incarnation of Roman Reigns and almost to the fact where he wasn't even becoming a heel anymore. He was working more. The crowd was kind of putting him over more as a face. And uh, they they really helped nip that in the bud. I yeah. Thought. And also, too, if they really want him to be a full-blown heel, I've been noticing when he comes out, he'll say the, the city that they're in and that tell him to acknowledge them. That's just going to give you a bigger pop. So you know, that part, I'm not too, I don't really care whether he does that or not, but if they want this full-blown heel, he can't really, you know, pander to the crowd too much but yeah i i agree with what you said on that i enjoyed all of it the storytelling was great and the snapping of roman reigns made sense because 
Rollins was in his head the whole time with the shield stuff, the fist bump, um, everything. So I thought it was a brilliant match by two of the best in WWE right now, Reigns and Rollins. So for all you guys out there that say we're anti-WWE, there you go. Yeah, and I thought that the um, Lesnar and Lashley match was good too. Um, you know, some shenanigans in there with Roman Reigns coming in, super punch to Brock Lesnar, and then we finally get the other shoe dropping. Spoiler alert. Uh, if The whole thing's been a spoiler alert, so whatever. <laughs> um, Paul Heyman going back to the tribal chief, letting handing him Brock Lesnar's title, or, or their titles, or their belts, I forget what they are. Uh, and then Roman Reigns smashed him in the face with it, and they walk off. Um, like... It's really the only great story going in WWE across all their promotions. And I thought it was the star of Royal Rumble, which I think is one of the reasons why Royal Rumble was as entertaining as it was. Because it's played a big part. Because obviously at the very end, Royal Rumble match, we'll, we'll talk about that um, after we kind of talk about the women a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with all that. So um, let's move on, like you said. So we're going to talk about the women's match? Yeah. Yeah. That was overall, it was fun. I didn't really have any issues with it, but you can tell that they were scraping the bottom of the barrel because they don't have a lot of women to participate in it. And they didn't want to bring up the women from NXT. And it was cool until Ronda Rousey came back and you pretty much knew who had that match right away after she made her entrance. And I mean, we have, um, her going up against Charlotte, I guess, which we'll be talking about in the mailbag. But what did you think about the women's match? Um, yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, when they brought out like the the old ladies just to like get eliminated and take bumps, I mean, I'm sh- like, I'm sure they got a good check, had a nice weekend in St. Louis, the gateway to the West. Ugh. Um, the things I did like about it, I liked Banks come seeing Banks. I thought Bel Air was looked strong in it, and I know they don't really have anything going with her right now, but as long as they can get her and keep her in front of the the crowd and have her perform, I think they will be right there when they decide to try to push her again. I liked some of the storytelling with Nikki Ash and uh, Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley looked a badass. Yeah. Uh, through the course. So I think it was more of a traditional um, Royal Rumble match maybe than the men's was. They like, they told some stories. They had some surprises. Like obviously Rousey was the big one. Um, it was cool seeing Mickey James get some run and, and also not in like the WWE way where she got eliminated super fast, but she was able to come out with her, her title and, um, her impact knockouts title and you know, she looked good and that was cool. I really yeah. enjoyed that. That that was a nice surprise because you know how WWE usually does business with other promotions or people from there and Lita looked good. They set up some stuff from there. And uh, just the last thing before we move on, I heard that I was reading some things and I know how Melina got eliminated quickly. And I guess it was a botched spot. One of a few on the night. I guess she was supposed to do a split on the apron, but she fell off. And that was what caused her to get eliminated so fast. And, you know, at the Rumble, they have to like, if you even if you get eliminated on accident, you have to just go with it because that's just how it goes. Yeah, ask Kofi. 
Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that would like that his, that spot, I don't know how that I don't know how he practiced it and if he was consistently making it. Maybe he got thrown a little too far, too high cuz he had some serious altitude on that too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't see any way how he could have landed that. And if he did, how he would come out unscathed. Yeah, I mean, it just really, really made me miss John Hennigan. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one more thing on the women's match. One last thing, I promise. I heard from behind the scenes or what I read that there was a lot of, like, scrambling with that match. A lot of women were pissed off about it and stuff like that. Because I guess originally it was supposed to be Tyson Kidd producing the match but then it was it became finley or i could have it reversed i'm not sure i can't remember off the top of my head but yeah one woman declined the match because tyson kid was wasn't producing it or was going to i don't i'm not sure but just more of like the scuffle behind the scenes that we already know about in wwe i heard booking was changed multiple times that day so there you go. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, and that makes it hard because a lot of those women aren't regulars. You know, they're coming in for this one-off type thing. And to make it complicated for everyone just seems like a, you know, too much getting in the way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, moving right along. What do we got next? I mean, just a little bit, I guess, last things to wrap this up for the Raw. Move some stories forward. Um, it looks like it's going to be Lita versus Bex which like you said, Rousey didn't make an announcement, but um, judging by what I saw from her on Raw, I imagine she's starting as a heel and then will turn face, probably against Charlotte. Yeah. Um, what a mishmouth promo she cut, too, on uh, Raw. I saw some clips of it, and it was just monotone, boring, and I just, I just tuned in because I wanted to see the fallout, but... I don't know. I'm going to discuss it more in the mailbag before I get ahead of myself. So, Yeah, but I do like a few of the things they did with uh, kind of working toward Elimination Chamber, which is super unnecessary. We don't need this pay-per-view. Right. But um, mostly just surrounding Kevin Owens and how he's awesome. And no, like much like Sami Zayn, no matter what they give him, he just embraces it, goes with it, sells it. He's over. He's cool to watch. He never loses anything. All the times they've booked him poorly. So I just love it. That's all. I just want to talk about Kevin Owens and put him over a little bit. Cool. But that takes us to our other big thing. Our other big thing. Um, This week, we have finally MJF, CM Punk, or... PG Punk, as MJF is calling him. They are going to finally get into the squared circle in CM Punk's hometown of Chicago. Yeah. And this is going to be interesting how they run with this, because I see this being a kind of a kind of bait and switch, because I don't think they're going to give that match away on free TV. And it's just I think this thing has more legs. Or if they have like a match and something happens and it's really quick. So I just I'm reserving my reservations for getting excited about it because I have a feeling like it shouldn't be done after this match. So but it's been really good so far. I mean, they don't haven't even they barely even touched each other. I mean, I know Punk took an ass kicking two weeks in a row, but that's good, though. So it's just building up the heat. 
Yeah, and they're they're sprinkling in this Wardlow thing, kind of reminiscent of the Brian Cage. Um, I put Pinnacle, but that's not what I meant. Uh, yeah, Team Taz. Team Taz, yeah. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, they have a lot of different ways they can write it for sure, but, you know, they've escalated it pretty quickly. Right, right. So... I wouldn't be surprised if maybe this, like, I don't know what they have in store. So, and I think that's the best thing. This is why I'm so excited actually about it is because I don't really know which way it's going to go. I can kind of see it going multiple ways, which is what keeps us all interested right. because we want to see what the outcome of this match is. Like it checks all the three boxes. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's not going to be like an all timer. It's not going to, it's not going to make a future match of the week for sure because probably not. CM Punk's not there anymore, and MJF hasn't gotten there yet to yeah. really put on those type of matches. But you know, they've done a good job of building heat basically without ever touching each other. Exactly. So I think it's good. I think it's good. Um, and they kind of, uh, you know, those are the main things. There are a couple odds and ends still coming, like. What did you catch? Did you catch anything from Rampage? Did you catch the uh, the um, private party versus the the uh, Jurassic, Jurassic Express, Express match? Yeah, I caught that. You I, know, I was I thought it was underwhelming. Yeah, I just I was it was losing my attention, and there was only like I only tuned into Rampage to see John Moxley and that squash, and that was more entertaining than that tag team title match it's to me jurassic express is really good but like you said they don't have a really deep tag division well i mean that's it's not that it's not deep no, everybody's everybody's busy yeah everybody that's what i meant it, there's not really anyone like viable to take their titles as of right now because they're all mixed up in feuds so which is going to make for an underwhelming title reign and they have to move these things along. They have to start moving some stories along. I know they like long-term booking, but things are kind of like stalling. So what I think they should do is fast track that stuff with Kingston and Santana and Ortiz and have Santana and Ortiz be the ones that challenge Jurassic Express because those four could have a great match, I think, especially if um, Santana and Ortiz make that turn against Jericho. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense too. I mean, it's just not getting it done. Like, I like Private Party a lot. Obviously, they got put over by Young Bucks way back when. Um, but I'm not excited about this Gun Club feud they have going on. Like, you can't oh, tell the me that's boys. As yeah, you called them. Yeah, you can't. Like, they're not. They are obviously not the best tag team. No, like, they're not the most deserving challengers. I guess so. they're just. Look at they're Billy Gunn's kids. They're they're decent, but they're not there to be in a full spotlight deal. And they're pretty much just acting like Billy Gunn did when he was in DX. It's just like I'm watching three Billy Guns because they look exactly like him. I guess they're his kids for real. But yeah, it's yeah. I, if those guys are next in line, this is just going to be a mishmouth um, title run. And then when they do fight someone viable, they're going to lose. So it's going to be underwhelming. And but the thing is, the solace in this is that Jurassic Express, I don't think ever they don't need to hold the titles for that long. They're not one of those teams that need titles. So 
I just I have a feeling they'll lose him quick, and hopefully it's the Santana and Ortiz. Yeah, and that's interesting because I was thinking about that uh, when I was preparing for this. Like, so we have Reigns right on the WWE side that had the, is having this really really long title run for really the only belt that matters in WWE. Obviously, the way they're treating the other one yeah. right now shows that it's. I mean, it's barely above intercontinental and honestly at least the intercontinental title has uh, a guitar player with them yeah that's really weird how they switched the flip the script on the belts too because the wwe title is the one that has history the universal title is just this new toy belt that they made because they did another brand split and they can they can try to rewrite history all they want it's their it's vince's company but we all know what the deal is. Yeah, Reigns is like the hottest thing in WWE right now. But to me, the I'm going with the title that has history, regardless of how they're treating it. That's just how I've always been. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, it made me think like we've gotten to this point where it's like, there's no, like the whole point is you have to have the title for so long, right? And that's not how it used to be. You know, titles would change hands between the same two people multiple times in the course of a feud. Yeah. And I don't really necessarily like that either. It got lightning in the bottle in the Attitude Era because it's like everything was hot then. So like the titles flip-flopping didn't really didn't really matter because it always came back to that one person, which is either Austin or The Rock or then when it was like Triple H. But I I'm cool with long title runs as long as there's an end game and they're working backwards. I don't think there's an end game here. I don't think they even know what the end game is because they're waiting for him to be, to, to they want the rock, right? So now they're getting Lesnar and reigns. That's the match they want. Then they want he's reigns is going to win because it's not going to make any sense if Brock takes the title. And then they're still holding out for reigns and the rock. What the, what the fuck is the point of that? The Rock is so gassed to the gills that like he's going to get blown up walking to the ring. And besides that being all seriousness, it's like the the Reigns doesn't need any more rubs for his legacy. Like he's got all of them. So start building up someone that can take the title and have that big win. Now you have two big guys. That's how they used to do it. That's how it happened with the Sheik and Hogan. That's what happened to Hogan and the Warrior. That's what happened with Hitman and Shawn Michaels. So. I just I don't know what they're what the deal is. I I you I'm stumped. So yeah, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. I think we've come to expect that that's like the level of excellence and that it has to be like that. And then we're disappointed when you know if you don't really have anything, you have to build people, and that requires people to both win and lose. Like yes, you can't have everybody be undefeated. Yeah, that's that's the thing too. They forgot how to book. It's like. Reigns hasn't taken a pinfall in two years or something or whatever. I, I'm not sure what the math is, but it's been a long time. And I he like tapped, I said, he tapped versus Daniel uh, Daniel Bryan. That's but, true. <laughs> well, other than that, but yeah, and it's like you don't have to make these guys indestructible because then you kill your whole roster. Like there there could have been guys that could have battled with him, but then they just put the kibosh on it. And it's like, who are you grooming? Who is it? Is it Braun Breaker, like our friend put a few weeks ago? 
I don't, I don't even know. I'm just throwing shit to the wall and seeing what's going to stick. Now, well, which is what they're doing. Shit. At this point, I mean, maybe we are the fools. And we'll have to go back in the archives and we'll have pie on our face because that, I mean, even if they get the rock, the rock's not coming. The rock's not coming for some premium live event in October. Right. It's coming for fucking WrestleMania, which is next April. Like not yeah. this WrestleMania. Yeah, but the next, next one, WrestleMania. Yeah. Man, that guy's the guy's so busy and he's tied. He's got his hands and everything. He's not going to be able to do that and wrestle a match because whoever, whatever movie he's shooting for, they're not going to have him sign off on that because he already got hurt and had to delay filming when he had that match with John Cena. So I just, like I said, while this Reigns title run is good, it's going to be moot if they book it the wrong way when they have the wrong person take the title off of them. That's all I'm saying. It's going to all be for nothing. There are people are you're supposed to build the person because Reigns is so dominant to take it off. If you keep having having them like play um, hot potato with the between him and Lesnar, then what good is watching anyone else? Yeah, but that doesn't change just because Lesnar's in there. I mean, I could honestly, I think our idea of just having an hour long show where Roman Reigns is the protagonist. There's one wrestling match in the show, and it's just basically. Paul Heyman and him being the and his lackeys, like I'd be, I'd watch that rather than three hours of Raw. Exactly, It'd be way more interesting and probably get better wrestling matches. Yeah, so, and just and that which is a good segue. Yeah, um, I just wanted to touch on Raw for a little bit. I did check it out. Some of the, some of the matches were good. Matt Real and Otis, good match. Yeah, I love that. Um, AJ Styles, Rey Mysterio, good match, and Kevin Owens and Austin Theory had a good match. So. I mean, I had to do, I had to utilize my fast forward button to get to those matches, but you know, we're making progress. Cause I, this is the first time and I don't know how long that I've actually watched raw. Yeah. I mean, like I said earlier, man, the more that they can get Kevin Owens involved in things, I think the better the segments are. He's just such a pro Yeah, in every way. He's good on the mic, the fans. He has a, he has natural charisma and he connects with the fans. Um, and like AJ Styles and Rey Mysterio, like I know they're both pa- they they're both past their primes, but still, it's like it's like watching two really good guitar players sit back down and play. Like they know all the riffs, they know mm-hmm. all the moves, and they can do them so seamlessly. And I really liked how, like, you know. Styles knew the 619 was coming and then Mysterio like they just knew and it just worked really good. It was like a really good match like yeah, for sure. Um, I really like that. So, good calls on that. Um and then yeah, man, like Austin Theory getting getting pushed. He's getting a pu- he's getting a pretty decent sized push. He's featured every week. He beat Kevin Owens clean, right. I believe, which means he's going to the elimination chamber. Yeah, and that's another rub. And mm-hmm. so, like I said, the guy's good, but personality wise is what everybody talks about. He's, he's as bland as a Denny steak. It's, it's just, I don't think the selfie thing is cool because it's already been done. And recently too, it's not like it was done 20 years ago. And um, it's just, they got to do something besides like being McMahon's fuck boy, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. 
And then um, I think the only other thing I can think of on Raw was, yeah, that's about it. I mean, that's three hours, it. and that's, that's what we came up with, three good that, matches. That's, that's the best I got, which is probably about 30 minutes of good TV. Um, yeah, but I am enjoying all this. Like, professional wrestling is somewhat absurd and just on the face of it, right? So, and in, in correct spots, but I like the whole chad gable alpha academy rk bro silliness like yeah yeah i think I it's cool I, I don't mind that because it works yeah uh, it works because chad gable and matt riddle they're the comic relief and otis and randy orton are just like they're being the what the fuck guys and the thing is though it's convincing when chad gable and matt riddle do it because like you said it's so absurd but it works it's not like if roman reigns was riding around in a scooter saying that and the thing is too matt riddle and chad gable can go so it makes for yeah. entertaining matches and i like the i don't really like Corey graves often but i do like when he always calls otis the number one the best student of the alpha academy when he's the only one i always think yeah. that's hilarious but yeah it's a good feud i I'm because usually I fast forward through all that silly shit when they're doing that. But with those guys, it works. So they, they have to realize what works for certain people and what doesn't. And I'm, they're somewhat doing it right now. Yeah. And I mean, I think like, uh, you know, if Orton's smiling and he's invested, it's like kind of cool to see. I like it. Yeah. Good call. All right, man. We're uh, we're going to take a powder. We're going to roll out of the ring, get our wits about us while we listen to this sweet interlude track and we're gonna come back with cool shit yeah. Yeah. hold up damn rich peanut butter guts and a lamborghini wall you must have white bread let's make a sandwich I ain't never seen money like you got Nobody got that kind of money in the boondocks So if you take me up and show me the balcony Looking over the Hollywood Valley I'll make your balloon pop Pop stars like you need a dude like me To appreciate your will I know you got an elevator in your house But with me you appreciate the steps Act like you don't wanna see how much of this Jack Daniels you can handle You wanna drink and get cut like Rambo And let me drive your daddy's Lambo Take me up to Beverly Hills To your daddy's mansion Let me see Hollywood for real Seen you partying with Kim Entertainment Channel One thing I gotta know Can I drive your daddy's Lambo? Lambo, oh, oh yeah. Get daddy's Lambo Lambo, oh, oh Can I drive your daddy's Lambo? Lambo, oh, oh yeah. Get daddy's Lambo Lambo, oh, oh Can I drive your daddy's Lambo? Once again, we're back with your favorite segment My favorite segment Bobby's favorite segment The Dark Lord's favorite segment And Tom Brady's favorite segment What do we like to call it? We like to call it cool shit. Oh, and as uh, my NFL coordinator told me, it is Tim Brady. Mm. But anyways, what do we always start cool shit with? The motherfucking mailbag. Oh, and we got a full one today. Yes. Yes, we do. Sorry, I was just doing a quick research on this first question because, uh, go figure, I was unfamiliar with um the subject matter so this one comes from lord wellington from the uk i imagine 
<laughs> I was at the cattle decapitation show a couple weeks ago. Did you guys get a chance to go? And will we be hearing Cattle D in the future? So I didn't even know who these guys were. So I had to look them up on Spotify. And um, I obviously did not make the show because I did not know who they were. <laughs> and pro- I will give them a try. But most likely, if you hear Cattle D on the show, it will be from Xander's picks. But I do want to say that their description on Spotify, cattle decapitation have never shied away from confronting the awfulness wrought upon the natural world by the human race. And Death Atlas is their bleakest offering to date. I'm hooked. I'm going to listen to Death Atlas. I want to buy a Death Atlas. I'm going to use a Death Atlas. I mean. That's a great album. And no, I was not at the Cattle D show. I was pondering about going, but my time isn't my own these days. And I just had a boatload of schoolwork to be doing. So I couldn't justify going. Unfortunately, I am a big fan of theirs. And, you know, hopefully I'll start getting some more free time once April comes around because I'm also done with this shit. But yeah, I, I would love to put Cattle D on the future, but you have to realize, Mr. Wellington, that or Ms., that I I don't really have lists that I put. It's just whatever I'm feeling at the same time. So, um, yeah, I, I'll, I will put them on if I remember, trust me. It's, well, I'm not, I'm not, uh, snubbing them by any means. Yeah. But I don't like just as a, a point of order, point of order. I don't like this kind of backdoor requesting like, Hey, yeah. do you like them? Is there any chance we'll see them? It's like, yeah, this isn't the fucking radio. You don't get to call in and put in requests on music. I mean, you can, They'll just but fall much like ears. Lord Wellington, no guarantees, sucker. Right. All right. Uh, enhancement talent. Heads up. Two-parter coming in hot. I'm just going to say, generally speaking, if you're enhancement talent and you think you're going to get away with a two-parter, you're going to find yourself on the bus back to fucking Biloxi. But anyways, I know you guys have talked about marijuana here and there. I was just wondering what some of your favorite strains are. And do you prefer flower oil, vape, edibles, or other? Um, I mean, as far as strains go... It's so hard, in my opinion now, because the the market's saturated and there's so many different hybrids that are coming out. So when I think about my favorite strains, I get nostalgic about the things that I remember back in my heyday of smoking in the college years, for instance, or as a young adult in my 20s. Really liked um, Romulan. I really liked uh, Blue Dream. I really liked... Um, train wreck. Probably those are three or are some of my favorites. Um, and as far as how do how what's the, my preferential uh, consumption method? I like it all. Probably the thing that I still like the most would be just your classic bong rip. Um, but that's like you know, that's like a different level of smoking. So probably the most common is the vape. Uh, it's indiscreet. It doesn't stink you up. You know, it just seems to be a more civilized manner 
of getting high these days. Um, and I like edibles a lot. Uh, edibles, though, they, they're, they're inconsistent in how they affect you because you're digesting them, depending on, you know, what your blood sugar is that day, what you've had to eat, what all that different things can all affect kind of your high. And, you know, consistency is always key in everything. So that's my take, as hot as it is. Yeah, um, I'm pretty similar around those sentiments myself. I, when it comes to the strains that I like, I everything that Bobby said was good. I also like the strawberry champagne. And then I like to go back to the OG Kush and, um, you know, just stuff like that. Honestly, I'm, I'm just getting back into it. So I'm light rate right now. So anything is really probably good except for Sensamia. But I've been doing the oil or the vape lately because, you know, I do hit it before I go to bed and it just kind of calms me down because I'm kind of a train wreck during the day. Edibles are cool. I got these really good gummies that I just finished off. They're vegan, by the way, and they are indica and they, those things put you out. So they're pretty consistent. All 10 of them came out pretty good. I forgot the brand. I think it's called Kana. So that's a plug, but yeah, um, the bong rips I like, but I can't handle them as well. Cause I've got asthma. So those ones, those are few and far between these days, but yeah, I'll pretty much along the lines, what Bobby said, it's good stuff. And you know, just keep it up. I hope those gave you some tips if you were looking for them. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Um, the next one's from fun guy, which makes me think of Steve Martin and that, that whole stand up. But anyways, I digress. You guys have mentioned that you were both Disneyland aficionados. I've been a few times and I didn't find it as enjoyable as you guys do. I just want to know what aspects do you guys like about it? And maybe it could make me enjoy it a little more. You know, um, that's tough because it's different now than it was, especially post-pandemic. I've been, uh, I took the family, we went twice last year, and um, it's, you know, the prices are higher. It's just different. I think the thing that I really always enjoyed about it and I still do is, I mean, it's just a production, the way it goes off every day. I like the attention to detail. I like all of the different artistic aspects to it, whether it's the stuff you're going, you're seeing in the shops or just the way the park is designed. Like it's super cool to go to cars land at night. It looks amazing. It looks just like the movie. It's incredible, you know? Um, and there's also a lot of nostalgia. I grew up in Southern California I have memories. We pretty much went once a summer. Um, so I think that's a big part of it too. And then for me, it was, it was something that as I, uh, you know, as Betty Rebel and I were building our relationship together, that was something we could share. So I like that part about it. So, you know, I understand why adults don't like it. It's crowded and there's kids and there's lots of those aspects to it. But I think if you just go in with an open mind, and don't try to like be judgy judgy. It's still like a magical experience, I guess, for me. Um, but I definitely understand like it not being what people are expecting or looking for. Yeah. And, you know, all that stuff you said, 
I personally enjoy it. I like going on certain rides and stuff like that. But the main thing is before I repeat your whole diatribe is maybe you just don't like it and it's really not for everyone. And that's okay. Um, Janine doesn't like it. And so, and that's cool. And I understand why people don't like it. People always think I find it weird that I am really anti, well, not anti people, but anti crowded places and stuff like that. And I still go to Disneyland, but you have to realize I had this shit down to a science. So the days I did visit the park, it wasn't as crowded. That being said, um, back to my point is, yeah, maybe you just don't like it. And, you know, it's one of those things that it's either you like it or you don't. And you're not going to not like it. And then all of a sudden be like, oh, my God, I'm this huge Disneyland mark. It doesn't work like that. And so I, if you really want to do try it, go with the suggestions that Bobby or myself made and, or, and see, and if you really don't like it, then that's one less place you have to do. And that's more money in your pocket. A lot more money in your pocket now. That's for sure. Next. Prince of Drip asks, you guys have mentioned Seth Rollins recently and how you are liking his current character and run. I know you guys have said some unflattering things about him in the past. So I just want to know what has changed. Nothing's changed. We've never, we, we, while we've said some, the things that we said about him were not unflattering. These are just um, consequences of the actions he made and what opinions we had about it. That being said, we've never denied his ability in the ring when we're watching him when it counts most. So, and unfortunately during that time, he was having a really crappy run. His ring work was still there, but he just wasn't this kind of interesting character that he is now. So nothing has changed and who knows, maybe he has changed and maybe being a father and being married has kind of calmed him down because you have, a, I, you haven't heard much about him on Twitter. So, and that's all, the, that's all we were saying about him. It's like, you can't say douchey things and then expect people to cheer you, especially when you're be- playing a baby face, but we've never denied his, his ability. And we always said, this is like what we want because he is entertaining to watch. And we did watch those matches with him in the shield and how we were cheering for him then cheering for him when he beat Brock Lesnar. So it's just, he's, he's in a spot that he seems like he digs and it's showing because he's one of the more entertaining parts of the WWE product. Yeah. The only thing that changed is him. I mean, he just, he got off Twitter. He doesn't say stupid shit. Like we just we call it down the middle. That's what we exactly. Do. Nothing changes. Nothing. Fucking excellence. Um, all right. Fan first. I've been listening to you guys since day one ish. And I know on the first episode of twenty twenty two or New Year's Eve episode, I know you guys are talking about how you can expand your brand. Have you guys ever thought about starting a YouTube channel? Yeah, I think about it all the time, but it's a lot of work. Yeah, we've thought about it. We were actually going to put in the motions of it. I got a video camera for my birthday prior to this one, and we were going to do it, but COVID stuck their big ass nose into our business and we weren't able to finish properly finish everything up. That's definitely on the docket. It's just our schedules are hectic at the moment. So adding one more thing, I mean, we could always start with clips, but I'll have to brainstorm more when I get more free time. So bear with us till April and, you know, things will be, things will be starting to get different. Yeah. And you may see, I, I have been looking into taking advantage of some of the YouTube shorts platform just because there's, they are, um, they're put YouTube is pushing them pretty hard. Yeah, they are. No, and it is easier. 
because it's just it's on your mobile phone. But um, there is a Wrestleocalypse YouTube channel. You can go ahead and start subscribing to it, and then you'll be alerted when we start posting on it. It's going to be great. There so, we go. But yes, and also we have thought about it because YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world, owned by the first largest search engine. So pretty good for exposure, I imagine. I I, I think so because I remember watching YouTube when it was on the ground, and now it just this um this thing that it turned into is just amazing. It's just like yeah, I find myself it, watching a lot of YouTube. So it was like uh, it was the poor kid after the dentist with the all hopped up on drugs. That right. was like that right. was when I first was exposed to YouTube. And then you could always find music. You could always find. Oh yeah, there's just. But then they started get, getting hardcore on the copyright stuff. Yeah, but um, you could still find some stuff if you're savvy. Right, but which also is a problem we have with YouTube is that it 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 would limit what we could do with our music segments. Right. And, and I think what we of, did, we were talking about was like just putting like segments of the show on and then have that redirect you guys to Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening to this off and go from there. And then we can, I can, I think that's a good starting point. And then wherever it goes from there, we can handle it. Yeah. Yeah. And this is all for you fan first. Because we are a fan-first podcast. That's right. And we're going to wrap this up with a kayfabe cocktail. Perfect. <laughs> with uh, Rowdy Rowdy Ronda Rousey back, rumors are she's going after Charlotte. Would you guys be happy with her taking the title from Charlotte and Mania? I know you guys aren't the biggest Charlotte fans, which is a ridiculous statement. It's like you don't even listen. <laughs> So I was just seeing what your thoughts were on this. You guys aren't the biggest Charlotte fans. No, we're not Charlotte fans. Yeah, we're not Charlotte fans at all. Period. And, and then to answer that question, no, Rousey should not take the title off of her at Mania. No, absolutely not. As much as we don't like this, I don't even lost count of all her title runs. As long as, as much as we don't like this, the last thing the WWE needs or the women's division that's fucking thin as just thin as tissue paper is Rousey just coming in after being gone for three years and taking the title off one of their top talents. That would be just awful for the division. It would be awful. Yeah. It, it's everything that we say about uh, the men's division, the men's division, right? Like they basically, it diminishes the title. It buries your roster. Like why can't, why can't the Uncle Bel Air beat her? Right. You know, right. oh, but Rousey's going to come in and it's like, oh, all of this roster is garbage then. And then she's not going to be there for the long haul. That's the thing. She's going to get mad again or want to have another bait. Not that that's bad, but she's she has other things. This is not her. She's just collecting a check at this point. So why waste your roster that's already depleted for this? And then, I mean unless you're going to have Bianca Belair or somebody build someone up to be Rousey, but I don't think that's the way they're going. I just, I think that would be a huge mistake. Just that would be, that would be worse than Brock Lesnar beating Reigns by far. Yeah. Yeah, it, it would be. And on that note, I think we're going to close up this mailbag. Yeah. If you want to get after us and send 
these questions that you could hopefully get answered with your backdoor waterboard snarky comments as well. You can get after me. I'm on, I'm on Instagram. It's Xander Hobbs, X-A-N-D-E-R underscore H-O-B-B-E-S. You can also find me on the Twitter machine. Same name. Bobby, where they, can they find you? They can find me on Instagram with the Wrestleocalypse, or you guys, I guess, could put comments on our YouTube channel. That's there. Yeah, do that too. Wrestleocalypse on the YouTube machine. Start pumping yes. that. All right, man. We're getting down to the last of our NFL award-winning NFL segment entitled Offsides and Delay of Game. Yeah, we only got two more of these, right? This one and the next one. Yeah, yeah, because we're not going to need one for next week because right. I mean, we're not going to talk about media day. And, um, you know, I keep checking the mailbag, but I haven't heard back from the NFL about our press credentials, uh, being that it's here in our hometown of L.A. But I know that with DeJoy running the post office, they're probably just a few days late. Right. As usual. So, but yeah, Tim Brady. Calling it Some a people career. think he's... Yeah, some people think he's the greatest of all time. I mean, just a couple of cheating incidents, little little softballs for his small hands. And, you know, who if you're videotaping, back then it was probably videotaping, actually. Uh, you know, the other team's practices. I mean, what's so wrong with that? I mean. I didn't see anything wrong with it. You know, they're just trying to get a competitive advantage. Yeah, you know, why not? But yeah, it seems like he's calling a career after how many years? I don't even know how many years he's played. Well, I think what the, I don't think he was a rookie, but it's at least 20. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It's like about 20. The guy's 45. Yeah, and then they win the Super Bowl right after 9 11. Right. Like they did. 2002. Yeah. Big, yeah. Biggest work of all time, by the way. But, anyways, um, yeah, I mean, he, I consider him, I consider him the GOAT because the guy, He's got seven titles, I believe. So he's done everything you possibly can in the NFL times seven. So I don't see what else he has to do. And maybe he can go right off in the sunset with his wife and his mansion with the moat around it and go do things that rich people do. Yeah, but he wears, he's going to wear Uggs. Those feet are going to stink and be all sweaty and gross. Good call. Good call. Um, yeah. And, or maybe he comes back and he plays for like, I mean, the Raiders could possibly win a Super Bowl with Tom, Tim Brady's their quarterback. It seems like a lot of teams can, but I don't know. There's yeah. But I mean, that. he would be reuniting with, um, his old offensive coordinator, uh, who is now going to be the head coach of the Raiders after failing miserably in Denver. Right. Um, which I think just, again, I think the Raiders are making a terrible coaching decision. Like, I don't understand why Brian Flores has not been hired. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. And did you hear he's filing like he's suing the NFL for like systemic racism? And I mean, I don't he's he probably knows more than I do because he's in the league. But I don't know. I don't understand how a team that had two winning seasons in 20 years with that man and they decide to fire him. I they they can t- give me the reasons all they want that he didn't like to or whatever. But who gives a shit? You guys are winning games, and that's I, last time I checked. I thought that was the point of playing football or any other competitive sport, right? So um, <laughs> yeah, or what? That he was too abrasive. It's like, which again, hey. like we 
we all get on our knees for the most abrasive person in New England who's the coach. No, like that didn't seem to disqualify him from getting multiple head coaching jobs too, because he failed in Cleveland, right? Bill Belichick. So it's like, you know, I mean, I think he's probably right. I mean, I think that with the information that was leaked from the investigation into the Washington football team, and we saw what John Gruden's uh, skeletons in his email inbox or outbox were, you know, I'm sure that I'm sure he has legs to stand on. So it'll be interesting to see what the NFL does. Yeah, because people were saying, well, he got interviewed for a position and it's like, yeah, they're interviewing to get that uh, blue tape out of the way or red tape, I should say, out of the way just to say they interviewed him. But I he'll get picked up. I believe there's more spots to be filled. And I think I, the the Vikings hired a GM who is of a person of color. So that's some sort of progress. But yeah, I, I understand where he's coming from. But I just did. Like I said, you have these owners who are old and who have certain ways and beliefs that they've had their whole lives. And I don't think that's going to change as long as they're running teams. I'm not saying that's correct by any means, but we have to look at the bigger picture here. And then on top of that, it's, it's just, it's a lot, there's a lot of, there's a lot of gears in this deal right here. And so I don't know if it's fixable, but I guess we're just going to have to wait and see as the days progress. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I probably the last thing I would say about the whole thing is, you know, this is also a league that owners who, by all accounts, uh, colluded to keep Colin Kaepernick out of the league. Right. So it's like you don't think that they're going to it's it's I mean, it's not a surprise. It's just really hoping that finally somebody can get it something to stick to really like engender some change. But and then uh, lastly, uh, we had two games. Uh, I went 500 on my picks. The Bengals in an awesome game came out victorious against the Chefs. Everybody thinking when that game goes to overtime, Chiefs win the the coin toss that we're going to see them just march down the field. But oh no, oh no, Patrick Mahomes. Not looking as uh, pristine as he used to, and especially not after that god-awful third-down throw that resulted in an interception. Right. And another bonus on that, the Bengals winning, is that we won't have to see any more Jackson Mahomes nonsense on the Twitter machine or the TikTok or whatever that asshole goes viral on. So that'll be great. Him and Patrick Mahomes' uh, wife. Yeah. And then the Rams game, uh, it wasn't, to me, I don't think it was as good. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I don't, I think they both teams had a lot of mistakes and made weird calls. And, but in the end, the Rams secure the victory, hosting the Super Bowl in their own stadium, built to win now against the upstart, no one believes in us, Cincinnati Bengals. Um, and I think it might, I think it's gonna be a good game. I mean, you yeah, I hope, have, the, I hope the Bengals win. Yeah, I do too. I think it's interesting. I kind of, it's like 
Joe Burrow's number one pick, Matthew Stafford, number one pick. Yep. Both went to ter- terrible, terrible teams. Uh, Matthew Stafford had to toil there for years because the Lions are perpetually inept. And uh, luckily for Joe Burrows, you know, the Bengals made another awesome draft pick this year. He's He is a stud. And here we are, you know, kind of. It was just interesting to me. I was thinking it's like kind of similar origin stories, right? Yeah, like, I agree with that. Um, and so now we have the tale of redemption versus the tale of ascendance. So, yeah, um, it'll be cool to see. And, you know, I know this is in our hometown, but I really, really would have a great night if the Rams lost because I'm sick of all these bandwagon fucking fans running their mouths about their team when I don't even remember them watching football. And it's just like, it's more of this nonsense. And I'm just, I'm done with it. Yeah. Put, their logos are ugly. Their colors suck. Yeah. And it's like, they bought their team. Like that's that shit. Like that's not supposed to work. And hopefully it doesn't. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't indeed. But we got two weeks to the Super Bowl. So, there we go. so we'll stay tuned happens. for more. Yeah. Right. Well, it's not going to be Armageddon. No. Not in the modern but- NFL. Not in the modern NFL, but in 2008 it was, <laughs> which brings you our, to our match of the week. So we're going to take a little trip down, not too far, but we're having a WWE title match in Edge versus Triple H versus Jeff Hardy. And I was looking for matches today and I was trying to fit in to something, but I kept coming back to either Triple H or Jeff Hardy, something featuring them. And, you know, with Edge being back, I thought this was apropos. Yeah, I caught, I watched the highlights of it. Um, <clears throat> it was interesting. If you would have told me of all those three that Jeff Hardy and Edge would be the two who are still performing in 2021, I would have been like, you're fucking out of your mind. Right. Like Jeff Hardy may not be alive in 2021. Yeah. But really and- the one who's, who really gets skirted death was triple h and you know so edge is obviously jeff hardy continued to perform um just really struck me like we talked about kind of natural charisma like jeff hardy has it like the crowd just fucking loves him and he just connects with them and the other thing that really struck me was just how how smooth he moved how fast he could get to the top rope how like he didn't need to set he would throw his his moves off the top rope so quick. Um, Triple H already looked like a fucking statue. Yeah. Especially compared to Edge and and uh, Jeff Hardy. But it was cool. I, they, they, they all got their big spots in. They all got their finishers in. There was a lot of clotheslining going on. That's, and a lot of throwing into the corners. I think that might be a generational thing. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good. I thought it was a good match, and it was the match that Jeff Hardy captured his first WWE title, I believe. And um, I just thought that was really cool because I was into wrestling and I was watching it, but I wasn't really. I didn't know too much. I don't read spoilers in general, but um, this one I didn't really know who would won. I, I didn't think Jeff Hardy would bring pull it off, but he did, and it was a cool. It um, the crowd popping was great. And you, this was the time where Jeff Hardy was really building even more momentum, like 2008 to 2010, which he was when he left. He was probably the hot one of the hottest people 
in WWE, probably the, I would dare say, over John Cena. And it was cool that he got a chance with a run at it. And um, yeah, it, that it turned me into an even bigger Jeff Hardy fan because it showed you how he could successfully carry the title and the company for that little bit amount of time that he did. Yeah, it was it was a cool match. Definitely a cool match. And then I, it was interesting. I was looking at kind of the whole card um, from that from that show was pretty interesting. Yeah, I don't I mean, remember crazy. too much about it. Like I um I only got a chance to watch the match. Uh WWE World Tag Team Titles match between Jesse and Festus versus John Morrison and The Miz. All right. And then CM Punk versus Rey Mysterio. And then we had Batista versus Randy Orton. And then they had the Santa's Little Helper match, which is again because it's 2008. So right, right. <clears throat> but yeah, good match. You should definitely check it out. Um, very, very cool. Good choice. All right. So since we do watch other things besides wrestling, we're gonna which brings you to our next little dealio. So I've gotten a chance to check out some stuff. Um, but let's start with you, Bobby. What are, what are you watching? Yeah, man. I've been um, holed up, working hard. And what I've been watching is a lot of documentaries. And two of the ones I've been watching on Netflix that were really good. Um, the first is uh, called Miles Davis, Birth of the Cool. And it's obviously it's a, it's a biopic on the jazz legend Miles Davis. Really, really good. Really well done. Um really enjoyed that one just really kind of digs in depth of where he came from he and just kind of the path he took um through his life and his career the other one that i have been watching i haven't quite finished this one but it's called the alpinist and um it's about this canadian rock climber um who does all these crazy rope free solo climbs and he does ice climbing and it's just he's such an it's just to do that he's such an interesting person and the the story is so good and then it's like i don't know if you saw that movie about alex honnold um the one i think it's called free free solo and it won the academy award but it's like you know the guy is alive like, you know that as you're watching this, but as you're watching the movie, you're getting so emotional, like, oh, my God, if he falls, he's going to die. And it's the same thing with this. You're watching him do all these crazy ascents, no ropes, and you're just like, he could die, even though you know for a fact that he's still alive. So it was really good. And then um, I think last week we talked about how uh, the prodigy really fell in love with watching that renovation of the Brady Bunch house. So we decided to show her the Brady Bunch on Hulu, the actual series with Mike and Carol and the six kids and old Alice. Uh, and she loves it, which is fun. It's fun to go back and watch it. And uh, she's really into it. And then lastly, we did convince her to watch the remake of Clifford the Big Red Dog. So family fun. So I like it. Oh, what nice. have you been watching? Well, I've gotten to watch some shows. So we checked, started watching Gordon Ramsay's Next Level, 
which is cool. It's got uh, what's his name, Richard. I forget what that Blaise. Richard Blaze, and then I forget what the other chick's name is in it. But they have teams, and they um, they cook on different levels of this building. And I only got to like half watch it because I was watching it while I, I was doing work, so I don't really know the in all the ins and outs of the game. But it's cool. I like Gordon Ramsay. I like Richard Blaze, and uh, I like this different twist on a cooking game show because I guess when they get their food and whatever they have to cook, the top level gets to pick first, then the middle level, and then it goes to the basement where like you have to pick up what's essentially the scraps, but then they have to make it work, and it's all blind testing too, so. They're not being biased towards their teams. Um, nice. keeping, it in the, keeping it in the Gordon Ramsay section, we've been watching the new Hell's Kitchen. I don't know how new it is, but I've never, we've never seen it. And it's called Hell's Kitchen Young Guns. And it's all people that are in their early 20s. I think the oldest person is 23. And it's cool because, hey, I love Hell's Kitchen. If you don't know what that is, they get all these chefs in. They First, they split them up in two teams and they – do a challenge. And if they, one team's successful, they get to go on a trip or a prize. And the other team has to do the chores and the, whatever they do. So it could go from trash day to peeling potatoes, making stock and just really shit. And then they do the dinner service where we see Gordon Ramsay just use a lot of colorful language because it's high pressure and um, he expects the best. And then they obviously go into their, you know, singles roles when they, if they make it, but it's been cool. I'm glad I got to see episodes that I didn't get to see because I've seen all of them and I just really enjoy stuff like that. And I'm a big Gordon Ramsay fan. So, and then the last one to round it out was um, this vice news short documentary. It's called the real Kenny powers. And it was about John rocker. And if you guys, as long as you guys don't know him, he was the closer for the Atlanta Braves and, uh, really a polarizing individual to keep it clean, but they just really visited him and they went into a little bit of the history, what he's doing now and stuff like that. He's still pretty much the same. And, but what the one thing that was cool is he does a lot of stuff for veterans, like puts them in like He bought this home that he puts them in until they get back on their feet, helps them find work. And which I think is really cool. Like, because we have live in this country where, we so we go raw raw respect the troops we love our troops and stuff but then when they're done fighting we just kind of kick them to the curb and put them out to pasture which is really backwards because these people i do have a lot of respectful military they fight you know they do stuff that i wouldn't do so i think that's a cool thing that mr rocker's doing but definitely worth a check out it's pretty entertaining even though john rocker said some unsavory things i've always found him as a entertaining character to say the least but it's worth checking out vice news always bringing the heat so yeah it's super interesting because number one with john rocker um probably if he was playing and said the things he said today he would be celebrated by a large segment of the population right, right. he wouldn't even it wouldn't even have been which tells you a lot about where we've come from and where we're going i guess yeah um I always hated him because he played for the Braves and I hate the fucking Braves. Perfect. Like when he, when he really came in, he like, so I liked to hate him. Um, but I definitely will check that out because, uh, yeah, I mean, he's pretty, it's pretty Kenny powers esque too, to be honest with you. And for those of you guys that don't know out there, Kenny powers is from a show East, Eastbound and down. He's played by Danny McBride. And 
they were showing the clips side by side of Kenny Powers and John Rocker, and it was pretty uncanny. So <laughs> I thought that was especially funny. So if you watch the show, you'll dig it even more. Yeah. And that made me think I'm going to add one more and you should, I don't know if you've seen this. I think you would like it though. Um, <clears throat> Vice has that uh, channel called Munchies on yes, YouTube. Yes, I've heard of that. Uh, and they've got a chef. His name is Lucas Sin. And um, he's like, a, he's a chi- he cooks Asian food. He's a Chinese dude. And he's so good. And he like, I watched him do, he made um, uh, rice porridge. And it was like, I just got hooked and it went down the rabbit hole and watch like all of the things he has on munchies and it's really really good he tells a story about it the dish as well as like showing you kind of how to make it so because you brought advice i thought about that i just i had to, to sneak that one in um but one thing that never gets snuck in it comes into the front door kicks it down in fact probably one of the most popular segments in the second half of cool shit is get rid of one and it's not my turn oh it's my turn And we're bringing you an interesting little thing today. We're bringing you rappers, but maybe rappers you haven't heard of. And, you know, some of the ones that I do enjoy that are a little off the cusp. So are we getting rid of Jamie Madrox, Echo, Chris Webby, or Ritz? So I had to do a little bit of research for this one, obviously. Yep. Um, So Jamie Madrox... Uh, probably more well known as part of the group Twisted than maybe necessarily a um, solo act, but he does have a solo album on uh, Spotify, so I checked that out just to round out my knowledge of Jamie Madrox. And then I looked into the other three. Um, so I'm not getting rid of Jamie Madrox. One, once I found out where he got his name from and everything, I like him even more. Right. You know, so and he just has like, I don't know, he has that twisted style. I can't. Im- I'm not like the biggest twisted fan like some people, but I couldn't imagine twisted without Jamie Madrox. Right? Oh, hell no. Like, so he's staying. Right. Um, so it comes down to the other three. Originally, before I listened to anybody's music, I was like, Chris Webby's out because I fucking hate Chris Webber. And he, that name reminds me of Chris Webber. But because we, the rest of the clips tend to be open minded. I gave everybody a listen. I went to YouTube, checked out what their most listened to song was, and then some of the others in the top fives. And I think after going through all of that, the one I'm actually getting rid of is probably the one who had the most uh, commercial success, and that's Ritz. I just like, he's not bad. And maybe if I would have listened to it a different order, he maybe wouldn't have eliminated, but just his style isn't just, uh, I wasn't feeling it. Wasn't feeling it. No, I really like of the three, I really like Echo the best. Yeah, he's really good. Um, That's funny that you said that because I thought when I was writing this, I thought you were going to get rid of Chris Webby too, just for that reason that you brought up. (laughs) But And that's kind of why I put it in there. But um, this is interesting because I like all four of these guys a lot and I've had a lot of listening to all four of them more, you know, so I'm thinking about this. And now I'm putting it into like albums and style. And so I'm getting rid of begrudgingly getting rid of Chris Webby because he has a few albums that are just like, there's a couple good songs on there and that's it. All the other guys have all stronger efforts. And so that's why I'm going to go by overall. Chris Webby's still dope, still awesome. Has some dope songs, but yeah, he's got to go today. 
All right, Chris Webby, you're out. Rich, you're out. We'll 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 keep Jamie Madrox and Echo, and we'll be good to go. Fair enough. All right, we're winding down. We got to warm up. We're all warmed up. Now we got to get to the ring. We're in the gorilla position, so we're coming out to some music. What what do you got? What, what's going on here? Um, so I'm coming out to a song called um, "I'll Believe in Anything," and it is by the band um wolf parade and it's off the album um uh shoot it's called i have it written down apologies to the queen mary it's a long name so uh, i'll believe in anything by wolf parade off the album apologies to the queen mary and uh it's a good one it's on sub pop records so it's kind of indie-ish it's got a like a slow cool rhythm um, it's the mo- their most popular, most downloaded song, so we're going to hear it right now. Interesting yeah. take. Um, yeah, it's a good one. I mean, it's definitely you, you might you probably it's like it, it was on a bunch of skate videos, some college probably played on some college radio. Yeah, um, and it's like it's cool that Sub Pop is still doing stuff because the only band that I remember from Sub Pop was Nirvana. So like when they were doing when they had Bleach out. But yeah, cool. Yeah, well, this was two from 2005, so I don't necessarily know if Sub Pop is still doing stuff. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, they, you know, they held on. They were an independent label. They probably were, most people only know them because of Nirvana in the first place. So what are you coming out to? All right. So I was taking your advice and, you know, really utilizing, well, not so much the release radar, but like the radios of different bands. So, you know, they'll have like Lamb of God radio or, you know, whatever radio, you know, and so I was going, I found the um, baby metal radio on my Spotify. And initially I was going to put a baby metal song to walk out to, but I found this other band that really caught my ear and I duck, did the Xander deep dive even more into them. And they're called Passcode. They're from Japan as well. 
and they mix in kind of that style with heavy metal and you know girls wearing dresses that play in the band and then putting in the little electronic music element of it so this is the band's called passcode and it's from the album clarity the song is called taking you out and this is the most they're also their top song and most downloaded song as well and it's really cool like if you like heavy metal and you know a little bit of electronic music in it this is right up your alley and you know if you like that japanese style with seems like you know it'd be an intro for an anime but enough out of me you can take a listen here for yourself right now cool so like i'm back in the rabbit hole of listening to baby metal another japan female japanese metal band so it's going to be really cool if i can get my ass to the gym that'll probably be in the rotation awesome awesome well now we're here we're in the ring (sighs) yeah and so we're gonna get lock up into this impromptu two-parter we didn't mean to do this but it just ended up like it just ended up that way so last week we talked about the internet the fans on the internet right wrestling fans on the internet and along those lines and how it's uh how how it's affected the product in general so this is a second part of it and so are we, we're going to talk about how the internet's kind of putting a stifle on wrestling in the way that is there too much inside baseball information that what we mean by that is that is there too much behind the scenes information is it kind of like killing that elements of surprise so to say that we used to know when we were kids before this whole conglomerate called the internet came out so for that we're going to be going into some of that those aspects of it what so what do you think start us off yeah so one thing i was thinking is like <clears throat> everybody try with the internet everybody became dave Meltzer. yes they all wanted to have the inside scoop and then they were, you know, some people were able to cultivate a few relationships inside some of the promotions, and then they didn't necessarily have the respect for the booking involved and bookings involved and storylines because they were trying to make notoriety for themselves, you know. And now it's really, you know, now you can go through, there's like, I mean, there's no shortage of internet websites, clickbait sites. Like my favorite thing is sites that somehow like, and I get, I know what the the grift is, right? So it's not news when you 
you have a headline that says WWE superstar tells all. And then it's like on Stone Cold Steve Austin's Broken Skulls right. podcast. It's like, that's not news. I get it. You're creating a news item page. You're going to get your, your, your ads and you're going to make some revenue on it. But like, so that's part of it. But also I think really like you touched on that. Uh, there's no surprises really anymore. I mean, Shane McMahon, we talk about like the Royal Rumble surprises. So many of them now are already being leaked and rumored that it really takes a little bit of the surprise and the theatrics away from what the promotions are trying to do. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, I look on the internet too. I can't say I don't. But when it comes down to certain things that I'm looking forward to watching, I'll stay away from that stuff because I think when – you're surprised, especially watching this stuff. It's, it makes it that much kind of cooler. Like imagine if Seth Rollins was leaked that he was going to come out in shield gear said rumor had it, then, you know, it would kind of take that whole element out of it because we were sitting there watching on the couch and we both looked at each other and uh, noted how cool that was that, you know, and because we had no idea and there's something to be said about that. And I know WWE tries to utilize the internet by making, you know, some of these leaks or, promoting someone, but it's like they do it. And then they do some other things that doesn't have people tune back in. And the thing is like, you have to utilize it to your advantage. And it just seems like nobody either wants to be surprised or nobody really cares. And I think it's a little bit of both because they go, they look on the internet and they'll see, Oh, Brock Lesnar's making an appearance and they'll tune in and they'll get like a rating spike a little bit. And then, they're back down to the same baseline where they're at. So I don't think it's helping too much like in the long run aspect, not just because of the internet alone, because of how they're utilizing the internet as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, it it's, I know that AEW kind of has this shtick wins and losses matter. And they tried to bring in a sense of like, real sport real sport to it right but i think that's one of the places where it doesn't fit is people are trying to cover wrestling like it's the nba and there's a trade deadline and there's there's not it doesn't work like that they're performers these are promotions think of it more like television shows think of them more like actors not like you know these contracts are all fungible obviously they can all get released You know, it's like, so it's a little bit different. And I think trying to report on it like it is some sport has really driven everybody to kind of do these really kind of like lowest common denominator stuff. Like we said, like clickbait stuff, trying to spoil, spoil surprises, spoil storylines, you know. Um, And I think it just takes away. I think it's what it does is it has helped create more and more smarks. Yeah. No, and that's, that's not good. No, it's not good at all. And you hit the nail on the head because everybody thinks that they know what's going on and they know what's happening. Like they work at these fucking companies when they don't like, we'll give you guys some stuff, but it's stuff that we read. And we always give you the disclaimer that we're just, we're just reporting off what we've heard and we're not back there. We've never claimed to be back there or have any kind of inside knowledge. And yeah, we are smarts, but we're not the smarts that are entitled to like, you know, think they know everything and their way is best and they could book it better. And I know I do booking one-on-one, but it's like, it's just, it's not that I think I could book the whole company better. I probably could, but that's not neither here nor there. So 
it's just, I mean, you can't stop the internet and you can't stop information from getting out there. All I'm saying is that it just, they wonder why some of the things are declining. And I think that has a big part to do with it. And, you know, that's just the internet goes to more people. So it's not just like hearsay stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't think we're done with this topic yet. Um, but I definitely think, you know, like we've covered part one, really social media and the IWC and how that's impacted wrestling. We see it in the, the lack of true heels, the way that people are always shilling to get their merch sold and it's affected the in-ring product. This week, we're talking about the overall proliferation of information, spoilers, people really trying to take away, break down that curtain, the you know, the, the wall, um, and create just too many smarks who think it's, oh, it's appropriate to shit on everything because they know, right? And so I think we're going to have a third. I think we'll do th- number three. This is a spoiler. You can find it on my uh, pro wrestling superstar in the know.com dot or no, it wouldn't be like a dot co dot uk type thing. There you go. Um, I think next week we're going to talk about the, the ways that the internet has actually helped and improved the professional wrestling game and why, though, in often could be um, buried, the internet can be a pretty terrible, terrible place. But also, it does, it has opportunities for really cool shit too. Um, and I don't think we can top that. Nope. And on that note, yours truly is Andrew Hobbs. Ours truly in this life, Bobby B. And we'll see you next time. Booyakashana. Time.